Good to have you guys here today. Um, so we're in a series right now entitled Common Lies of the Devil. Common Lies of the Devil. And basically, um, we talked last week about YOLO. You only live once. That's a lie because you actually live twice, all right? You live once here on this earth, and you then have an eternity somewhere, either in heaven or an eternity in hell. And so the reality is we want to give you life. Life is not in hell. So we told you last week, we debunked that whole myth, that lie from Satan. And we're going to do it again today. We're going to talk more about different lies that he tries to throw us. And the, the lie today is this. All sin is the same, period. Fill that in your notes. If you got your notes, by the way, if you did not get a packet, we need to get you a packet right now. So if anybody didn't get a packet with a pen, let's get into it. Get Dana. Thank you, John. Get Bo. Got these guys here. Who else? Come on, don't miss your opportunity. And science tells us that if we write stuff down, we actually remember it longer. So you've already woke up this morning. You're already groggy. You're already tired. Somebody told you they were taking you to the Waffle House and they drove you to the daycare. And so you're here and you don't know how you got here. You might as well use the next you know, few minutes of our time wisely and write some of this stuff down. Let it get stuck in your heart so that you can really um, have God's word soak in. This, this first one, this, this lie here is just, it's a serious, serious deal. Because, and we're, we're going to study it, but I believe it's a beautiful statement to say that all sin is the same. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Sounds like, you know what? No matter what we do, you know, if somebody's done something really wrong, we tell them, you know, well, all sin is the same. And it's a great opportunity for them to come back. It sounds great. And here's the reality. It does sound great. That's the truth. The truth is it sounds perfect. But I don't believe that statement ends there. I believe that many times Satan likes to put periods where commas go if you know what I'm saying. And there's more to the sentence than to say that. And we're going to kind of go over this because he wants us to believe that it just all sin is the same. You can just do whatever. That's his, his, one of his biggest lies. It's just a terrible statement. And many of us, we just think, well, since all sin is the same, we believe then we're off the hook in some areas because I guess I've already started this. I might as well just keep going. And, uh, you know, you see people like that. They already do something, and then all of a sudden they just keep it going and keep it going. And I think that there's something that needs to be pointed out, that there's consequences to our actions. I guess I should set it up like this. Um, I want to tell you a story of a guy named Aaron that um, actually grew up with Amy. And uh, when we were in Ohio, this guy named Aaron, he was very, very young. And uh, basically, he got diagnosed with cancer. He was probably in his 30s and uh, friends with Amy's older brother. And he was in his 30s. And basically, what happened was he gets diagnosed with this, this cancer. And they literally tell him, I think he had like six months to live. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've been told you've got six months left on this earth, all of a sudden, life changes, doesn't it? You're going, hmm, what do you do for the next six months of your life? How, how do you look at life completely differently? And the reality of this situation that happened to this guy is that he went through a fit of depression. Can you imagine that? All right, like he, he just, you know, that was a bad day for him. It would be a bad day for me. He went through depression, and literally he went through a phase where he didn't want to eat anything. He didn't want to drink anything. He didn't want to be around people. It was just one of those things where it's just like, it took the life out of him, literally. I mean, it is a serious situation. After he got through that depression phase, what happened with him was he, he literally went through the phase of, now I just don't care. Now I just don't care. So what he did, and this is not good, and it's not moral, and it's not ethical, but I'm telling you the story. Aaron decided, you know what, I'm going to sign up for credit cards. And I'm going to live it up because, you know, why not? I've only got a few more months left. So he literally signed up for a bunch of credit cards. I think he did like eight or nine, maybe 10. I don't remember what it was, but it was a lot. Um, long story short, 
Aaron went on a spree. Aaron had a good old time with other people's money, and he spent $293,000 in credit card debt. Y'all can say, holy Bible. All right, seriously, um, that, that's a lot of money, all right? Seriously, an issue. And uh, the funny thing about the story that's so not funny to him, but it makes a good story here, is to tell you that he went back to the doctor and took an x-ray, and his cancer was gone. <laughs> ah! That could be an issue. <laughs> and, and so literally, Aaron made some really unwise decisions in thinking that, you know what? I already started all sins the same, right? I already started blowing money, and it's not my money, and I know what I'm doing. I know this is wrong. I know it's immoral. But you know what? He just kept going. And he kept going, and he kept going, and he kept going. And he made all these unwise decisions, and he then had to pay back all this money. There was a consequence to his action. And I think that we've got to not be tricked by the devil. I don't know if you know this or not, and everybody needs to pay attention to this in the room because this is important. The Bible says that there is a spiritual war taking place on this earth, meaning God loves you very much and he wants and desires a relationship with you. But there's also an enemy out there named the devil who is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And his sole mission for life, listen to me very closely, is to steal your joy, to kill you off, and to destroy who you are. That's his mission. Steal, kill, destroy. You're in a very real war. And the, and the war and the thing they're, they're arguing over is you. The best thing the devil could do is keep you away from hearing God's word. If he can keep you from this book, if he can keep you from knowing the truth, if he can get you to believe the lies, he can keep you out of heaven. And that's the worst thing that could ever happen to a person. I was compelled so hard in my heart about that and I'm so burdened for people that all I see when I see all your faces and I don't know you is I don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus or not. That's the only thing that matters to me. How can I make sure that I do a good enough job of telling you who Jesus is? Because if you walk out of here today and you leave and God forbid I never see you again and you pass on, the last thing I want to know is that I didn't give you an opportunity to find Jesus. Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems. Y'all hear me on that? Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems. I'm telling you. Um, we all have opportunities to sin and to justify our sin, don't we? I mean, uh, we all have different behaviors that we tend to, to lean towards. And there's, there's some, some things I want to drill on today that we don't realize that we do very often. It's not like we're saying, hey, I'm going to go spend $293,000 by getting all these credit cards. We, do, we don't strategize this very much. It just happens. Y'all had stuff that just happens. It just kind of comes out of you. And part of it's because we're sinners. We're all sinners. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And our flesh gets us to do things that we're not supposed to do. But the sin I want to kind of talk about a little bit is the sin of negativity. Uh-oh. <laughs> Daggone preacher, you're talking about negativity. All right, you're negative. What's up with that, right? <laughs> but we all have a tendency to be negative from time to time. And I got to say, I'm guilty of this. And many times I don't plan it. It just kind of comes out of me. Um, my wife, uh, it, it, I love my wife to death, but she, she, she made some uh, food the other day and she made baked chicken, which I love. Anybody love baked chicken? You know what I'm talking about when I say baked chicken? I'm talking about the, uh, the like, little, I don't even know what they are. They're like the little crunchies is what I call them on the top. Oh, it's so good. I don't even know what she does to it, but there's a lot of love put in it, man, because I like, I can tear it up. And, and she made that and she made green beans and she made corn and it was like a good home style meal, mashed potatoes. And she set that plate down in front of me. And I don't know why. I don't know why. It's foolish. It's nonsense. It's crazy. But I said, we don't have any dinner rolls. 
<laughs> yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> and then you know what came out of me? I wish it was over. We have any Sprite? We don't have no Sprite. How can I eat this? <laughs> what? <laughs> it was nonsense. It was crazy, right? Because the reality is I should have been thankful. Like my wife spent time making this meal with all the crunchies that I love. And here's the deal. I love green beans. I love mash. I love it all. I love it all. I want it right now. I'm hungry. Y'all hungry? <laughs> I'm hungry. All right. I, that, that's what I wanted. And yet, instead of complimenting and saying, hey, I'm thankful that you made this. You know what I looked at? Instead of looking at the positive of the situation, I looked at the negative. None of us are guilty of that. Good news is your pastor is too. All right, I'm not some uh, put me on a pedestal guy. I'm Randy. I have bills. I have kids. I have life. I have struggles. I'm just like everybody else in this room. People sometimes they say, hey, do we call you Reverend Randy? Do we call you Pastor Randy? It all sounds weird to me. Just call me Randy, all right? I'm just a regular dude. You start calling me that, I get weirded out. I'm like, dude, I'm, you know, I'm gonna call you a priest or something. I don't know. I just like wanna give it back to you somehow. Uh, just, just makes me feel a little awkward. But there's some things that we can get really negative about. And uh, I've seen this type of behavior, behavior destroy. The constant negativity destroys. I wanna make it clear. It destroys. And I've seen it so frequently and so often that I got to the point where I absolutely hate the negativity. Because I see that whenever people say certain things and they, they act a certain way, it, it causes rifts in relationships. And then all of a sudden you got, you got parents not talking to their kids. All of a sudden you got brothers and sisters not speaking to each other. And because I've seen that, you've got, you got, you got church members not talking to each other. Negativity. As I noticed this, I've got to be honest with you, I can't stand negativity. I can't stand people who have nothing positive to say. There's a lot of people like that in the world. Felt very compelled this week, and I don't know why you're here. Maybe you need to hear this message. I don't know. <laughs> I felt very compelled to speak this message. I don't know why God put this on my heart, but this is what he put. And he said, you know what? There are people out there that, that they don't have any friends and they don't know why they have any friends. I'm going to help you today. All right? Let me help you today. Here's why you may be having some struggles finding relationship, finding some friends. There's some people here that are negative and they always look miserable. They never smile. Y'all met people like that. They never smile and you don't know what to do with them. You're like, can I shake your hand? High, high five. Are you mad at me? Are you going to punch me? Like you just don't know what's going to happen with them because they look miserable. They, they never have anything uplifting and encouraging to say. You notice that? You notice that? They, just, they struggle making true friendships and they're always the ones. I, I'm just telling you an observation. I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm just telling you an observation that I see. They're always the one posting annoying comments on Facebook about how bad their day is every six hours. Y'all can amen if you want, every six hours, literally. And uh, they, they, they're the ones that I think that are pushing so hard for the dislike button because it would, I think it might be something that they would like if they could have the dislike button because it'd be negative, negative, negative. Like I, it's just their personality. It's just the way that they are. And I have this one lady on Facebook that I keep as a friend and mainly just to see her post because it's funny. It's funny. It's like her favorite line is, my life has never been this bad. Now, the problem with that statement, my life has never been this bad, is it's like every two days that she says it. And I want to, I was so, and Amy has to rein me back in and pull me back and say, don't do it. I want to say, don't you remember two days ago? You know, to kind of remind her about how bad or what, because it's just like a constant with her. And I, I just don't get it. And these people, they have these tendencies. They don't know if they realize this or not, but they just, they get negative 
And then they realize, you know, I know that I kind of messed this relationship. They just keep going. They just keep going. I don't know if they're addicted to drama. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know what the issue is there or if they're just naturally just unhappy. And uh, it's a sad thing. And there's people that I also I tend to, to notice that they like to debate a lot. You got some people in your life, maybe you work with them. And it doesn't matter what you say. They say, hand me a pen. You want the red one? You hand them the red one. They're like, I don't want the red one. And you're like, well, calm down, man. It's just a pen. You know, I'll get you the blue one. You know, it's like they like to debate and nothing you say seems to be right. You know, it doesn't matter what you put out there. Like, uh, they're just going to argue with you about it. They're just going to debate. And, and they don't realize that they're really just destroying their relationships with other people. And it makes it really, really, really hard to get to know them, to really become friends with them, and to really engage with them. These are issues, right? These are issues. But they, I, gotta, I guess I, the, the answer to this is the best thing that ever happened on this planet is a relationship with Jesus. It's the answer to it. It'll turn that frown upside down if you know Jesus. It really will. But there's a difference in knowing who Jesus is in your head and knowing who Jesus is in your heart. Okay? Because um, I think this, and some of you push back and say, well, I already have a relationship with Jesus. To that, I would say, what's your problem then? I got to be honest with you. I got to be straight. I shoot it straight a lot of times. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin. He shed innocent blood. He was nailed to a tree. His hands and his feet were pierced. He had pierced his side. Blood spilled off of his head. Blood was all over him. He was, he was so beat up and bruised from the whipping that he got before he was nailed to that cross to pay for your sin, by the way. He did all of this for you. And, and he was so beat up that the people that looked upon him said that we don't even know what that is. Is that a person? Is that a human? Is that an animal? What is that? That's pretty beat up, okay? A person that has a relationship with Jesus and identifies themselves with the Savior, that gets that Jesus did that for them, that Jesus looked upon them with positivity and said, I see you in your mess and in your condition and your sinful behavior, but I love you anyways and I want that relationship with you anyways and I pulled you from the pit, the darkest spot in your life to get you into heaven. I did that for you. If you understand that Jesus was positive towards you, how in the world could you be negative? Doesn't make any sense to me, but you also would kind of be grateful you just got breath. Y'all ever think of that? You know, I, I mess up many times because uh, every time I'm sick, I remember to pray to not get sick. Y'all do that? Y'all do that? Like I get real sick and I'm like, I can't breathe, you know? And, you know, uh, I get real bad sick. I actually was in, um, were we on, a, where were we on that mountain at? The Gatlinburg? No. Where was that? I'll never forget, I was in Somerset, Kentucky, and we were on this mountain, which I'm not a mountain dude, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, getting on the mountain, we had to like swirl up the mountain, right? And I get, I get car sick, and I don't know if anybody else gets car sick, I get dizzy. Ugh, the worst feeling in the world. And I can't read either whenever I'm there, because it just makes it worse. And so, so I'm trying to get up this mountain, and we get up there, and I remember I was feeling so bad. I'm vomiting everywhere, I'm having major issues, all right, major issues. And I'm on the top of this mountain, and I just remember thinking, I gotta get out of here. I'm, I'm gonna die up in here. Like, like seriously, I'm, it's over. Like I'm telling Amy, like tell the kids I love them. You know, <laughs> this is an issue. Um, it was bad, it was real bad. And I remember telling Amy, I can't, I gotta get to the hospital, but I can't drive down that thing. If you put me back in that car and I have to go, it's going everywhere. I can't do it. And, and, and so she said, well, what do you want me to do? I said, 
call the life squad and he'll have them send a helicopter out. And I'm not, is this a true story? I said, I said, send them out, man. I can't go down the mountain. And I'm scared of heights. But on that moment, man, I, I, was, I was sick. And I remember to pray, you know, like, God, thank you for my health when I was sick. And uh, many times we neglect the thoughts of, God, let us breathe today. You woke up today. You know, a lot of you walked in here today with your feet that work pretty good, all right? You have a voice, you have hands, you have things. Some people don't have. But yet we tend to err on the side of negativity many times. You know another sin I want to talk about just very briefly? We justify this one a lot, the sin of gossip. It's a sin, all right? There's one thing that I know destroys a church, destroys other people, and destroys your relationships faster than anything else. It's the sin of gossip. Talking about other people. And you know what? So often in the church world that I've been a part of, the traditional church world experience that I have, that's taught me that Christians can be some of the biggest gossips that you've ever met in your whole life. And you're in church, and I'm trying to get you to come to church, but I'm telling you, where there's people, there's problems, and where there's problems, there's usually a problem because of gossip. And it's an issue. Well, you're not talking about me, preacher. Well, I might be talking about you if you're talking about other people. I don't know. Let's define gossip for a second. Gossip is talking about someone or rumors of someone else's private affairs. What is a private affair? Any conversation that they didn't invite you to be a part of. You know, that would be a private affair. It's not your business. But many times we get sucked into doing all this stuff. And you know what? We spiritualize it too. Y'all seen that before? Y'all spiritualize it? Here's what happens. Well, we need to pray for Sister Joe. She's getting a divorce, you know. She cheated. <laughs> Why are you telling me that? You're like, you're acting like it's a spiritual thing. That's not a spiritual issue. That's you gossiping. It is. We spiritualize it. We need to remember to pray for our pastor. He doesn't have a clue what he's doing with this church planning thing. And does anyone notice he didn't say hi to me this week? He walked right on by. He's probably one of the most selfish people I've ever seen in my life. He just gazed right on past. It's like I don't even exist. Now, granted, I was probably trying to set up a worship experience that other people could be drawn closer to Jesus. But, yeah, I probably missed you. you got to think. You know, this, this is gossip stuff. Many times is assumption. It's assumption. <laughs> she said it. Y'all know what assuming does. I'm not going to say it, but you know what it does. <laughs> you know. Yep. That's not a lie from the devil. That's the truth. <laughs> gossip in the church world can destroy a church fast. Any, another way I've seen gossip used many times is um, the excuse or the justification of, well, I'm just venting my feelings and my frustrations. Let me say something. You can be frustrated and be venting a stress in your life, but that doesn't mean you have the right to just talk and blast anybody just because you have a bad day from your perspective. Because many times the reason we're talking is from your perspective. From your perspective, you saw that person do that. From your perspective, you heard that. That doesn't necessarily mean it's truth. It's truth to you from your perspective. And you have to realize that there's a whole other perspective to this whole thing. Remember, a private affair is a private affair for a reason. If they wanted you to know about it, they would have talked to you about it. So it's never right to assume. And guys, this is an issue. Like, I hope you realize how big of an issue this is. This is a major thing. And guys, I don't believe that any of us wake up and say, hey, let's gossip today. Nobody woke up and said, hey, today I want to do that. Nobody woke up and said, hey, I'm going to be a negative person today. Nobody wakes up in their lives, you know, today I'm going to, I'm going to divorce my wife. That doesn't happen. You know, you just get process of time gets you to become a certain way. 
And I think many times people don't realize how bad it's gotten. It's gotten really, really bad. Um, there are just a couple of sins. Uh, these are just a couple of sins that I think we take for granted. And I think a lot of times what I see is people connect through these things. Do you hear me on that? People connect through things like this. They connect through saying negative stuff like this. Like, man, these chairs, are, they're metal and they're really hard. And y'all feel that? That's horrible, isn't it? And another person jumps in. Yeah, this is the worst chair I've ever seen in my life. And all of a sudden, you guys are buddies now because you got this bad chair. <laughs> Or how about, you know, they never turn the air on fast enough in here. It's burning up in this mug. What's going on, dude? I'm dying. I feel like I'm in it. Okay. And it's like, uh, you know, and you don't know what's up. And, and all of a sudden your buddy's there. Oh, I'm sweating too. You know, this daggone people. And, you, you know, you connect over. You're making fun of your boss or you're, you're, you're downplaying, you know, the person you work with. And people connect through these. They use what I call negative vehicles to build relationship. There's a better way to build relationship. There really is. I also believe that when a person finds himself having a bad day, starting to be negative, starting to gossip, they tend to just keep doing it because they feel like, I guess all the sin is the same. It says, I've already sinned and I might as well just keep going. That's a deceptive thought. But I'm glad that God never leaves us with a problem that he doesn't give us answers to. So if you have your Bible, some of y'all are like, is this going to, are we ever going to get to the book? We're going to get to the book. Or I got to dispel this myth, this lie. I've got to debunk it. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. The Bible is full of stories that are relevant to our life today. So if you say, you know, I don't, I don't have a Bible. That's totally cool. No big deal. Um, we got the sky Bible right over here to my left. We're going to throw the scripture up on the screen and uh, you'll be able to follow along. And also if you got um, a phone with you, an iPhone, iKindle, iApp, something, you got something. She got her Kindle Fire, Kindle thing there. Then uh, if you got version on your phone, download it. If you don't have it, it's a free app called version, Y-O-U version. And it gives you the Bible on your phone. It's free. It's Completely awesome. So you could follow along today. Um, it's also in your outline there. We really wanted you to have it, all right? So um, basically, I want you to know that there's a guy in the Bible that we're going to talk about this, this, uh, this gossip, this negativity, and he had a choice to make. And we're going to see that all sin is not quite the same. And his name is Judas. Y'all know Judas? Come on, put your hand up. You know Judas. We're going to talk about Judas for a minute. Some of y'all may not know Judas. Some of y'all raise your hand. I'm the only one who don't know Judas. I know Judas now. You know, you don't, you know, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, Matthew 26, 14 um, is really going to show us some stuff here in this story about the betrayal of Jesus Christ. This was the start of the betrayal. It was the start of how Jesus dies on the cross to pay for sin. Now, that's a pretty important story, by the way, and we'll talk about it here in just a second. But um, if you've never heard the story, then I want you to listen closely. And I want to tell you um, a little bit of the background of what's happening before we get into the main scripture. Luke 9.49 says there was a dispute going on between the disciples. They were having a quarrel. They were having an argument. And they were basically sitting there and trying to figure out who the best disciple was. Now, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Okay? Jesus had 12 disciples, 12 followers that were kind of his, his, his 12. All right? They followed him everywhere. They saw him perform miracles. They saw him do amazing things. And the Bible says in Luke 9, 49, that basically they're sitting there and they're saying, hey, I'm pretty sure I'm the best disciple. You know, uh, I, I think I'm the best because Jesus, every time we, we come around, he always talks to me first. He always smiles at me a certain way. And I think that, I think I'm the best. And then the other buddy there that was sitting along the table, he's going, no, 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 man, you're not the best. I'm the best because anytime Jesus needs anything done, he comes to me about it. And he goes, no, there's no way you can be the best because you're too short. And, and, you know, I don't know. And so they had this quarrel going on and they're kind of debating on who the best is. And this is kind of setting up our story and they're, they're kind of gossiping about each other. 
tearing the other one down. Well, it can't be Jeff over there because, you know, he's just not near as good as so-and-so. And, you know, so we know it's not him. He's at the bottom of the rung. He's probably in the, the bottom half of the disciples. You know, uh, I'm probably top two or top three. You know, I'm probably, the, I'm really probably the top one. That's kind of the conversation that's going on here. And then in Matthew 26, verse 14, we start picking up our story. And, and uh, I think that they kind of got a statement from, uh, from the disciples, the WWE did, you know, Bret Hart. He said, I'm the best there is, best there was, and best there ever will be. And I think the disciples kind of were the ones that coined that initially before that wrestler did because they were like, I'm the best, the best ever. Jesus loves me more. And uh, then we see this happen. And this is an important uh, point in the Bible today. Matthew 26, 14, it says, Then one of the twelve, meaning one of Jesus' top twelve closest followers, one of his disciples called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said this, What are you willing to give me if I deliver Jesus to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he saw opportunity to betray Jesus. Woo, this is not good. In other words, a guy who looked like a follower of Jesus, who, by the way, went and sat and ate meals with Jesus, who was with all the other followers of Jesus. He looked the part. He had it all there. It looked like he was, he was there, but something got in his heart. And all of a sudden, he, he became a betrayer, a backstabber. And he be, began to look and probably thought to himself, you know, I don't think I'm the number one guy, and I'm probably am on the bottom rung of this, this whole thing, and I'm probably guy number 12, and Jesus doesn't love me. You know what? It'd probably be in my best interest to earn some personal gain. So he started looking to the money that he could get to betray Jesus. Now let me remind you, Jesus had done nothing wrong. Jesus lived a perfect sinless life. And the Bible says that from the age 30 when he began his public ministry to, to the age of 33, he performed many, many miracles. He healed many people and he gave life to people and he's, he's ultimately saving people from their sin. And it's a crazy thing that somebody would think that this guy is not good, but there was a whole sect and group of people that were going against Jesus. This group of people, um, they were religious people. Can you imagine that? The religious people, here's what they did. They, they began to come together and say, you know what? I don't think that this guy is really the son of God. Now, granted, in the Old Testament, they had prophets who foretold that Jesus was going to come. But, but they said, no, 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 no. This guy can't be the guy because he came from a city that's a dirty city. And these religious people, they started coming up with these weird things that were just awkward. And they said, he can't be the son of God. So because of that, they started to form their little coup, their little posse, their little group, their mob. And basically, they sought out to find how they can destroy Jesus. Judas gets word of this group, knows all about them, and decides, you know what? I'm going to go turn Jesus in. I'm going to turn Jesus in. How could a person do this? Think of that, betraying the son of God. Look at this in Matthew 26, 26, and it says this, and as they were eating, Jesus, he took bread. Let me tell you about Jesus for a minute. And he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup that he had and he gave thanks over it and he gave it to them saying, drink it all, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many, the remission of sins. Let me explain what I just read to you. Jesus takes bread and he breaks it. And he says, this represents my body. My body is going to break for your sin. In order for your sin to be paid for, in order for your sin, those wrong things that you do to be forgiven, you need someone to step in. And he said, I love you so much that my body is going to break. And he had that cup and it represented the blood of Jesus Christ that was going to spill to pay for everyone's sin. To pay for everyone's sin. 
And he's saying, I love you that much that I stepped out of a perfect heaven, a perfect place, and and I I saw your condition. Because here's the deal, guys. Everybody in this room has this condition. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Every single one of us, no one's exempt. You screw up, I screw up, we're all screwed up. And the reality is, Jesus looked at us as screw-ups, and he said, I look upon you with positivity, and I want something for you. I want you to be in a relationship with me. So this is kind of what's happened. He's, he's having this conversation. That's the beauty of being a follower of Jesus, by the way, is that you can inherit a relationship with God. So if you don't have that today, I want you to listen real closely to this next part. Verse 29 says, But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In other words, if you become a follower of Jesus, he's literally waiting to throw a party with you. He said, I'm going to hold tight on partaking this with you and celebrating with you because I want to I wait till you get to heaven because I want to celebrate the fact that you accepted my gift of salvation, that you accepted me into your life, that you realized that I died on the cross to pay for your sin, and you said, I want that. Because here's what I know about God. If you don't know anything about God today, I want you to know this. God is not a person that's going to put a gun to your head and make you do anything. He doesn't make people do anything. He gives each and every person in this room and everybody outside in this community, outside these walls, the opportunity to choose him or not choose him. What he's really after is your heart. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to love him. And if he put a gun to your head and said, hey, you got to love me, it's not real love because you don't love me. You're only saying you love me because I got a gun to your head. He doesn't do that. He says, I'm giving you an opportunity to choose me or not choose me. And listen, you have that choice today. You're either going to choose him or you're not. His gift of salvation, his payment for sin is free to anybody. Doesn't cost anything. It can be received today. Jesus, he foretells to his disciples, he's going to have his body broken, his blood spilled in order that they could receive life and inherit home and eternity for heaven. And uh, which, by the way, if you're still working hard trying to find your purpose in life, because that was Jesus' purpose to die on the cross. If you're working hard to figure out why you were created, I want you to know with all my heart that that's our gifting at this church is to help you identify what God created you to do. So what we've done is we've created a four-week growth track process, which basically on Thursday nights at 7.08, we've been doing this thing called Discovery 301. It's this Thursday at 7.08. So if you're free, 7.08, you'll remember that time because it's weird, all right? 7.08, come on out. We meet right here. We're going to help you discover your gifts. We're going to give you a personality quiz, figure out what your DNA is, how God wired you, and then we're going to give you a spiritual gifts test and figure out what your gifting is. That way we can figure out where you need to serve in ministry. And you can start doing the thing that God created you to do. Because there's, there's something I got to tell you with all my heart, that God has a plan for you, and it's a plan to impact the rest of this world. And he's not going to just use me to do it, because here's the deal. This thing's way beyond me. He wants to use you. And he wants you to unite with a group of people who are passionate about sharing that message with other people. So come on out, uh, 708. I read this verse earlier. It's uh, Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is his plan for us. That tells you a little bit about Jesus and his purpose on this earth. Now look with me at Matthew 26, verse 47. While he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12 with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one. I want you to seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings rabbi. And then he kissed Jesus. Man, he betrayed him with a kiss. Ooh, that's the worst. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. In other words, Judas did one of the most despicable things that a person could ever do. It was literally hypocritical by far. 
He betrayed and he denied Jesus with a kiss. Man, how, what a scumbag. Um, Honestly, for real. This is how the story begins of Jesus dying on the cross. And thank the Lord it did begin because we needed to hear this message. We need to hear about hope. Now, I don't really want to talk more about um, Judas, but I want to finish it out so you guys know what this guy is all about and kind of finish this story. Matthew 27, verse 3 says this, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and betrayed innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he drew, uh, threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed, and he went and hanged himself. Now, it's my personal belief that Judas was never a disciple of Jesus Christ to begin with. I don't believe that he was a follower of Jesus at all. I don't think he was a Christian. I don't think he was saved. There's a lot of scholars that don't believe that. I don't believe that he was a Christian. I don't think that you could be a Christian like that. He was remorseful. After realizing what he'd done, he went and hanged himself. I want you to know that all sin is not the same. Here's how I'm going to prove it to you, because we only believe the book. That's it. Whatever the book says. Matthew 26, 24 says... Woe to that man. Now, this is him as he was breaking the bread and he was spilling the blood and all that. And he was talking about that. This is what he said to them. Woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. That's a pretty strong statement. Like, been better for that dude to never been born than to be here betraying the son of God. That shows us right there that there's a different type of consequence associated with that sin. A, a, a major consequence to betray Jesus. The worst thing that anybody, listen to me, the worst thing that anybody in this room could do is to not choose Jesus. The worst thing. It's the, the unforgivable sin. It's the sin he can't forgive you of. To say, I don't want you. I'm going to ignore you. I don't want it. When you say that, you put yourself in a horrible situation and it does not end well for you, according to God's word. You say, Randy, I don't like that. I don't like what you're saying. Well, listen, dude, I'm not saying it. This is what the book says. This is God. Let me transition back over just for a minute. We're going to get back to that. We transition back over to the way that you and I justify sin of negativity many, many times. We justify our behavior and are critical towards people and our tongues speak words that hurt people. And we justify that many, many times because we don't realize what we've been forgiven of. Here's a statement. If we could understand that Jesus forgave us and was positive and not critical towards us, maybe we could understand others. How can you not forgive somebody when you've been forgiven of the biggest debt in the world? How could you not forgive somebody? And here's the reality. There are some people I'm stepping on your toes today. I know I am. But that's okay for me. Because I'm not concerned about it. Because you need to hear that. You need to hear what I'm saying to you. That Jesus looked at you in your condition and said, I love you anyways. How could you withhold forgiveness from somebody? Because there's been some situations in your life that some relationships are not mended right now. And you need to go make that right today today. Maybe it was your fault, maybe it wasn't, but life's too short to live in regret. Here's a tip for some people that have gone through some issues of negativity and gossip. Some tips, all right? Here's one. Smile. Smile. Just try it. Just, just smile. Everybody do it. Smile. Y'all, y'all like, I don't want to do it. Smile. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. And you know what? It's free. 
is free. Didn't cost you anything to make somebody's day. You know, some people I meet, I'm just like, dude, I smile because I meet somebody. They just they just look happy. And I'm like, dude, he's awesome. You're like, dude, handing me my meal out the drive down. I'm just like, dude, that dude's pumped. I don't know why he's pumped, but dude, that dude's pumped. Makes my day to see some that there's some people out there that are actually happy in life. It's a good thing to see. We all need to practice that more. Many times we're Christians and we say that we get the greatest message ever given, Jesus Christ, but we don't smile. What's up with that? Here's a verse for you. You're struggling making some relationships, making some friends. I'll give you a really good tip. Proverbs 18:24 says this. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. <whistles> Not complicated, but we messed it up. Well, nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. I'm just an insignificant person. I'm abandoned. I'm alone. You know, they don't even talk to me. I'm over here in this corner. You know, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. And let me say this. They never call. They never, they never want to spend any time with me. You know, relationships and appointments get set up both ways. That phone rings both ways. It's not one way or the other. Well, he never calls. Well, did you ever call? Well, he's never positive. Well, are you ever positive? I'm just saying. How about this one? Ephesians 4.29, let the Bible speak to you. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. What does the word edification mean? It means using words that lift other people up. It's a, it's a lost practice in our society today. And it's an important practice. Listen to me. I may not know a lot, but there's one thing I know, that compliments go a long way. Some of y'all need to get good at complimenting. Now, I didn't say lie. All right, some of y'all, I can do it. I can do it right now. All right, somebody gets a bad haircut. Don't go up and say, I love your haircut. All right, you don't love their hair. That's a bad haircut. Now, I, didn't, I also didn't say go up to them and say, hey, that's a bad haircut. All right, that's what we're preaching against, not what we're preaching for. But there are ways that you can find to compliment other people and be an encouragement and edify people. Instead of tearing down people, debating, and always having to be right. By the way, there are some things that you can be right about, which you're probably right a lot because you think you're right a lot, right? I do too. I do too. But there's some things that are just not worth fighting for. Y'all can clap if you want. This is the truth. There are some things that are not worth fighting for. And we fight over the most insignificant stuff many times. Well, you didn't put that cup in the dishwasher right. Well, you know what? It's, it's going to be okay. All right? Sure, we can argue about things. Sure, we can prove that we're right. But many times in our marriages, that's when our marriages get screwed up, when we start focusing on the little stuff that doesn't matter. Don't be critical. Here's your action step. Y'all love action steps. I want you to give a compliment every day this week. Everybody in this room, you say, I don't have a problem with gossip. Good, give a compliment. You won't have a problem with that either, right? right. I'm not negative. Well, good. Give some compliments this week. What would happen, just, I just dream with me for a second. What would happen if your boss on Sunday morning, um, tomorrow when you go to work or whenever you go to work next, your boss came up to you and just complimented you to death? First of all, you'd be shocked, okay? <laughs> What's up with him, man? What's up? It would change your whole world. Do you know that you have the power and it's free to do that for other people? We need to stop waiting for people outside of the church doors to be genuinely nice to us and love us. And we need to be the church that God called us to be and take it out to the people. When we do that, listen, when we do that, God changes lives. A revolution takes place. You're part of a revolution. But you got to live it. 
Okay, let's prove the point real quick and be done because we got to get out of here. Try to stay on time. Proverbs 6.16 says this. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to him. Here's what God hates. Did you hear me? God hates something. It's been God's word. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. Uh, he hates a proud look. Man, I don't like that either. People that are prideful, man, that gets at me. He, he hates a lying tongue. Man, I can't stand a liar. You guys like people that lie to you? Don't you love whenever somebody says they're going to come and do something for you and they show up uh, like never? <laughs> Not cool. Lying, man. Nobody likes to be lied to. God hates it. He hates this one. Hands that shed innocent blood. That'd be murderers, man. I don't like that either. Mm, man, I don't get that at all. A sin in this world. How about this one? Um, a heart that devises wicked plans. That's just evil people. Just evil. Like their intent is just to be evil. God hates it. Feet that are swift in running to evil. Did you know that our culture, I don't know if you've realized this, like if, you, if your eyes are open and your ears are here, you've probably noticed that the world is really, really, really bad. Yeah. Screwed up. <laughs> bad. You're living in this place. Ah, right? It's messed up. I told somebody before this service today, and they've got kids, and they're concerned about their kids. And several of you, actually, I know, in this room, you're concerned about your kids because you see the world. And guys, you're smart. Thank Jesus. Thank, praise the Lord that somebody's at least smart enough to know we've got to do something. You've got to do something. And listen, you've got to step in. Some of you guys are running your households, and your kids running your household. That's messed up. Now, I guess I was raised old school paddle on the butt when you do something wrong. Um, go pick your twig that you're going to get hit with. And if the twig is too small, then I'm going to go pick the pit twig for you. I don't know if that's how you were growing up or not, but here's the deal. I didn't run my house and I turned out pretty good for it. And I'm thankful for that now. Now at the time I was crying and I was wanting just like your kids will do. But here's the reality. You've got to be the, uh, the leader in your household your kid, if you notice, they don't like waking up and brushing their teeth. <laughs> Big deal. You got to do it. Why do you do that to them? Why do you tell them, let's get that toothbrush out and start scrubbing? You do it because they're going to have a messed up mouth of teeth if you don't. And you know the consequence down the road if they don't do what they need to do because you're smart enough to see it. But the problem with society today is that we have let our kids tell us what to do. And we justify it by saying, well, we love our kids. You don't love your kid. You loved your kid, you'd step up and do what they need. So here's my challenge to some of the parents in the room that are concerned about their kid. What are you willing to give up? To, what are you willing to give up maybe in your, your mind of the way church needs to be done in order to get your kid what they need? Do you hear me on that? Let me say it again. What are you willing to sacrifice and give up in your perception of the way church needs to be done to get your kid what he needs or what she needs? Because they need something different than you. And if you love your kid, what you do is you invest your time in getting them into the right spot. You invest your time in getting them around a group of people who can love on them and be positive towards them and help them and encourage them and give them God's word. If you love them. You also invest your, your treasure towards it. Because it costs money to do ministry. But you do it because you love your kids. That's our heart. That's our heart. Some people's kids are jacked up. Your kids may be jacked up. Well, here's the deal. You better not wait a minute longer. You better get them in the right spot at the right time right now. You don't have another minute to waste. Get them here. Here's a promise that I have to you. If you get them here, I'll do my best to engage them. I'll do my best. Basically what I'm saying is I'm not here for you. I'm here for your kids. 
be honest with you, partnering with you. Not about you anymore. You already passed that phase. You already screwed up. (laughs) (laughs) Can't help you. We can save your kid. (laughs) There's some people that are, uh, they're living life their way, aren't they? They don't use the NIV version of the Bible. They don't use the NKJV version of the Bible. They use the Y-O-L-O version of the Bible. YOLO. That's their Bible. That's what they go off of. That's a fad. And it just happened. It's the current way of thinking. Just do whatever you feel like doing. That's messed up, man. He also hates this. A false witness who speaks lies. This would be a gossip. Do you hear me? He said he hates it. One who says discord among the brethren. One who just plants stuff and causes issues. Y'all, y'all, let's be honest. Do you not like those people? If you don't like those people, holler amen. amen. I don't like those people either. Now, here's the, here's the thing. I'm talking to you. Don't be those people. All right? I sucked in on that one. I don't need to be that person. So you hear the message, but you let it take root in your heart, and then you do something about it. Colossians 3.2 says this. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. That's an action step. Don't focus on other people's dirt. You don't need to hear it. Focus on things above. If you get nothing else out of this lesson today, I told you that there was something very important that I was going to come back to. I want you to write it down. The sin without question, the the sin with the absolute biggest consequences without question would have to be the sin of never accepting Jesus to be your Lord, leader, and CEO of your life. All sin is not the same. Let's, Let's give you the truth. There's not a period at the end of that sentence. All sin may be the same in God's eyes. He paid for it all the same when he died on that cross. It's all paid for, but the consequences of our sin are not the same. You can really screw up your life if you're not careful. Some of you say, well, you know, I want a relationship with Jesus, but you don't know my background. You don't understand where I've been and some of the things that I've done. I've really messed up. I've messed my kids up. My heart's not where it needs to be. You know what you can do if you're not careful? Listen, you can listen to the lie of the devil right now. We're almost done. Listen to me. Pay attention. Listen. You could listen to the lie of the devil that tells you that God doesn't want you. Let me share with you one verse that is the backbreaker, backbone. I don't even know what I'm saying. Blow you out of the water. Mind blown verse. Ready? Let me tell you about who God is and what he thinks about you. Romans 8.38 talks about the love of God. It says this, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Nothing can separate you from God's love. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your story is. I don't care how bad you think you've been. Listen, today is the day that you start a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, you know what? I don't know if you'd want me. I just showed you out of that book that he loves you beyond anything else. He looks upon you with so much love and he's calling out to you today and he's saying, will you accept me into your life? Will you start a relationship with me? Because I want you. You have value to me. Say, I haven't found value from anybody else in this world because you're never going to. The value does not come through other people in this world. The value comes through you knowing Jesus Christ.